0: Welcome to chapels from Rosedale Bible College. Thanks for joining our community for weekly chapels recorded on our campus in Rosedale, Ohio. We hope you are challenged and inspired by what you hear. Enjoy. It's always good to be here, Rosedale. This is the first place I have seen when I came to America. I remember things were almost uh, three decades ago. Uh, I flew into JFK, then through Pennsylvania, and I came here through, by Greyhound. I was at the Greyhound station. I was supposed to be uh, picked up by someone from Roselle. I didn't know what they looked like, but they knew what I looked like from the application. So I landed there at the station, and n- nobody was claiming me. And I didn't know. I was feeling a little panicky because it was at night. It's Sunday night, I remember. And uh, then I just thought, okay, I'm going to go to the, to the people who work at the Greyhound and ask them. And I wondered how, how they would know, how they would help me. But I decided to do that anyway. So I went to the lady on the front desk. I said, I'm Yasir from Sudan. Somebody's supposed to pick me up from Rosedale College. And that was the first time to hear of a pager, you know, where they page everybody and she just thought, Yasser Matai from Syrian, and then somebody showed up. Well, it was, it was Alfred Yoder, if you remember Alfred. No, it was the old days. He was waiting for me at the bus station. He was reading his book, and he forgot about me. I don't get free. So then he drove me to Rosedale. The, 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 the next story is even funnier. He drove me to Rosedale. And I went to the board. I was the fairest kid to go to the board because people, get, I think the, the registration on Tuesday and I just came on Sunday night. and So people start coming on Monday. I was all by myself and I didn't know back then, I don't know the rules now, you have to bring your own sheet. They have a bed for you. But I didn't bring a sheet from Sudan. I didn't know I was supposed to bring a sheet. And he said... Okay, this is your room. Your, your roommate is gonna to come tomorrow or day after tomorrow. And if you need any help, just go to the phone in the booth and call me. So I went there and I just came and I was surprised to find no sheet. But back then, my English was not as good as now. So I went to the booth to the, the payphone. phone. These things are history now, they're not there. I went there and I called him I said, Alfred, I want a I wanna sheet on my bed. And he said, no, 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 don't sit on your bed. I said, no, 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 I said, sit, <laughs> So it's a combination of accent and other, this then, I, then I, knew, I knew that, no, 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 I said I know where to. Speaking of sitting in the toilet, I didn't know how to use like the Western toilet. You know, we have a little hall and that's when you sit on your knees. But I could never use those one. So, I just began to use them like I was using the tablet in my home. So, I get on top of the edges, I sit there on them. And they were cartons back then. So, somebody by accident they would open, and they would never expect somebody using the tablet like that. <laughs> and they go, and not to mention other things, but I better, he gave me 30 minutes. But always I think of Rosedale about those happy days. And Phil Weber, uh, really one of my favorite teachers, he asked us to write a paper on uh, Lord's Day, you remember that story, Lord's Day? And I think he meant it on the, I don't know, I wrote it one of the other, may, maybe he meant the Sabbath, or the Lord Day, and I talk about the Day of Judgment, that's the Lord Day. So I wrote the paper, I made a big effort in it, and he just said, off point, you know, zero. I said, well, at least he should give me some points, you know, for the effort, but I was off point. Okay, well, let's begin. I'm going to share pictures from Sudan. And then don't forget to take my family picture to pray for us. Okay, let's begin. You see this picture on the back? On August of 2001, just one month before 9-11, I started praying for the Muslim people every day. Actually, before I come to RBI this morning, I prayed for the Muslim. And over the course of 20 years, God has softened my heart. I came to Christ from a Muslim background. And in my country back then, it was a crime for a Muslim to become Christian that was punishable by death. And uh, so that developed, that fear of, of have for Muslim re- evolved into some hatred because they want to kill me. But after I started praying for the Muslim, God had replaced that fear with love and compassion. And later on, he led me to go back to my the country that I fled to go there and share about uh, the grace of God through Jesus. And over the course of, it has been 20 years since I moved back to Sudan. Over the course of 20 years, I learned a lot about Islam even though I grew up as a Muslim. I came to learn that Islam is not a religion in the ordinary simple way of thinking. It's a culture which is based on a revelation and a legal system. It is basically a legal system that uh, comprises, you know, the life of the individual, the life of the family, the life of the society, and the state. The Muslim look at the whole world as one state. This this is what I just come to learn. Uh, Second, that Islam is a world religion. I mean, you will see, uh, I remember when I was younger, I, I went with my family to Mecca. That's where the people do the hajj. You know, here? I'd also like to mention that my last name, Maki, comes from Mecca. Like, if you are from Mecca, you're a Maki. If you are from Medina, you're a Medini. This is how you things work. If you're from America, you're what? American. So, yeah, I remember when we were there with my family, we saw people, like, we see white people who are Muslim, Chinese, Arabs, African, or even Latinos. Do you know what country, a Latino country that would have some Muslims? There's a large number of Muslims in Latin America. Pop quiz. No, you should, okay. It's a... Could somebody know it? And actually, the Muslim in that country... Uh, You you heard of a country called Suriname, 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 you you heard it? It was a Dutch colony. All of Latin America was uh, Spanish and Portuguese, but that Suriname country was colonized by Dutch. So the Dutch brought some Muslims from Indonesia because Indonesia was also a Dutch colony. So they brought them here, and some immigrants from the Middle East immigrated to that country, and that's how country uh, happened to have a large Muslim population, suriname Also, I remember met some of them. They all go, all the Muslims all over the world go to the hajj. Well, I, uh, yesterday I was attended the Alpha, you know, that was really recommend. I was asked, what would you ask God? If you have a chance to ask God, what would you ask him? I'm an evangelist to the Muslim people, and this would be my question to God. Why is it, it is so hard for a Muslim to believe in Jesus? And those even who believe in Jesus, I've been working there for 20 years. We start a group of Muslim background believers, but then down the road, I would say two-thirds of them would bounce and become Muslim again. They would not continue the journey. So that, this would have been my question. And the reason I say this, because the Muslim, the people in this map, have more common ground and common belief with the Christians, more than any other religion in the world, including the Jewish religion, the Judaism. I will just give you a few examples. When we talk about the person of Jesus, they believe Jesus was born of a virgin, Mary. And a lot of Muslim women carry the name Mary, Maryam, you know, that's Mary, and also some carry the name Virgin. Also, refer to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Say Batul. Batul in Arabic means virgin, just like Madonna in uh, the Latin language. So, they believe he was born of a virgin birth. And for me, that's important. A couple of weeks ago, I got to speak at the Columbus Maranatha Church, and I shared about Muslim people believing in Mary. Uh, the, she's a, a virgin mother of Jesus. And one of the members there, Calvin Navziger, said, came to me, he said, well, of course, you don't believe that uh, real thing. I said, yes, I do. He said, that's just a symbolism. We don't, he said, he doesn't believe that. I don't wanna say Columbus Manonite doesn't believe that, but I was shocked. You see, some people who claim to be Christian do not believe that Jesus was born of a virgin uh, woman. You know, So, they all, all of them believe in the virgin world. Second, they believe Jesus ascended to heaven. I'm coming back in the end of time. Not only that, they believe he's the word of God and the spirit of God, Ruh Allah. But they don't believe he died on the cross. And even the verse that they use to say that Jesus didn't die on the cross, the holy book, the Muslim believing called the Quran does not state that Jesus has not been crucified. But there is a verse that says they and that refers to the Jews. They did not kill him, they did not slay him, they did not crucify him, referring to the Jews. And when I do our treat with Muslim talking about Jesus, I quote John ten eighteen. Jesus said, "Nobody takes it from me, but I lay it down freely." So you are right. They did not kill him, they did not crucify him, but he offered himself. He laid down his life freely to be killed and to be crucified. And the often response I get, like, are you saying Jesus committed suicide? No, he did not commit suicide. You know, so the missing word is redemption. In the Muslim theology, that for salvation, the Muslim have a plan of salvation, just like Christian have a plan of salvation, and Jewish. The, the plan of salvation in Muslim, that you believe in Allah, and by the way, that's the Arabic term for God. Allah is God. In English, is God. In Arabic, is Allah. So you believe in Allah and you believe in his prophet Muhammad. That was the last prophet. And you do good deeds. And here is a formula. Every good, if you do a good deed, you are accredited 10 points. You're like, you have an account. If you do a bad deed, only one point. Well, then how do I go to heaven with my bad deeds? Okay, the good deeds will erase the bad deeds. Just keep doing more good deeds. They will take care of the bad deeds. There's a balance. And, uh, but in the end, they say you are not gonna enter the heaven or the kingdom of heaven by your good deeds. You would enter it by the mercy of God. In the end, they say by the mercy. And uh, in this sense, like, we will see a lot of similarities between the Jewish and the Muslims, you know. In the Old Testament, it talks about the mercy of God. The New Testament talking about the grace and the mercy of God. So this is, this is what I believe the Lord has called me to do. And it has been a very exciting journey. But I look back, before God called me to go to the Muslim world, which is 20 years ago, 2002, he had been preparing me way before that. And I didn't know it. I believe God chose me aside She set me aside for this mission since I was in my mother's womb. I have no doubt about it. But then when I was a young boy, I have a hobby. My hobby was collecting stamps. And I remember Amanda, Amanda Weber would have that hobby, right? When I came to America, I still have some of that leftover hobby. And I saw Amanda and other people. So we collected stamps. Well, collecting stamps, very useful for an evangelist. Because I remember when I was a young boy, I knew all the foreigners in my town, and I'm going to to talk to them. So that was God preparing me to talk to people who are different, you know, and just to, or also trading. So I have, like, uh, developed some social skills, which is an evangelist must have. So through stamps, also I learn about other cultures, or other world events. But this morning, I want to share with you my favorite stamp, okay? For the sake of time, I have... 20 minutes left. So that's my favorite stamp. So, hey, that's me. <laughs> so that, well, I visited the Postal Museum in D.C. And there is a booth where you, you can make your own stamps. It's, it's, it's too bad. It's only five cents, but it can send a letter from Madison to Union County. At least. Okay, and this is my family. And if you are interested to pray for us, please ask me for a card. Uh, my wife and I have been married for 12 years, a day before yesterday. Well, our marriage was an arranged marriage. Like, neither she nor I were present at the marriage ceremony. That was done on our, our behalf. However, we met later on in the, on the reception, after we were already husband and wife. And that's not unusual in our culture. Uh, my wife accepted the Lord. And uh, one of the funny thing I thought like when she became a believer because when I worried, when I was married to her she was not a follower of Jesus yeah. I thought when she's when she became when she come to know Jesus then we will not have any marital problem and I discovered that was only half true you know so pray for us we are sticking together and those are my children you know and I'm hoping next year if the US would grant us a visa I'd like to bring her here to take a break, you know, and also for her to apply for a green card and to get some medical help. And here, this is my mother. This picture was taken of my, well, Jules Showalter met my mother, right? Jules and Richard came visit us. Well, this picture was on her 79th birthday when we took that picture of her. This is not my camera. A friend of mine has a good camera. And, and I showed it to her, and she looked at her. I said, Mother, this is your 79th birthday picture. And she looked at it, she said, Oh, yeah, sir. I look like I'm 80. And I said, No, Mama, you are far away from 80. You are 365 days away from 80. Now she'll be 82 in January. Well, my mother is a teacher, and uh, a little over two years ago, she made a very big decision of accepting and trusting in Jesus. And that was a long uh, prayer. I had been praying for her for a long time. And one of the things that really God used to draw my mother to Jesus, my mother is a school teacher. And for the last seven years, we have been having some men from Plain City. They come and they build a school for refugees. And my mother has seen them. do come in every year building the school, expanding the school. And then they build a medical clinic. And then we got money to drill a well. And my mother one day, she said to me, she said, you know, those men who come, every year, they are doing this because of Jesus. And nobody told her that. So two years ago, uh, one of the men that prayed for her, decided to pray for her. And after he prayed for her, then my mother told me, she said, I believe, uh, when he was praying for me, he was referring to Walter, he said something was moving inside me. And I told her, I said, mother, this is, I believe this is the Holy Spirit. And then my mother accepted Jesus. For that, And before she read the Bible or anything, she would say, the name of Jesus is very powerful. The name of Jesus is very mighty. So she was saying that. And I said, yes, Jesus was given name above, above all names. But when she said that, I believe that was revealed to her by the Holy Spirit. So pray for my mother. She's teaching. She's a teacher. I'm one of her students. And uh, when we have a school for refugee children. And she's teaching there. So this Where is that? No. Here. So she's teaching. My picture was a low megapixel. Here, my mother was whipping a kid who was not behaving. But you you can't see. In our school, we do that. (laughs) You have, you know, if you have a class of 60 or 70 kids, you have to get them online, you know? uh, So we do that. And you see here for the new one, the quilt. In Sudan, all the quills came to the people by Mennonite Central Committee. So they called them Mennonites. And I didn't know that what they called them. I was living in America. And one time I visited a refugee camp in Darfur. Not this lady, another lady. And also, to make this story more fun, objects. In Arabic language, it is a he or she. So a Mennonite will be a he. So this woman, she said, I, I said to her, I'm going to be going to America. What would you want me to ask people? have people send you from America and she said please send have them send us more Mennonites and I didn't know what she meant she said well I have a Mennonite inside my room I said, what is he doing there <laughs> he said she said yes we need we need Mennonites I have him in my room I, I use him to cover myself at night and during the day exactly she was saying that, and during the day I hang him on the wall and I said well, well, she, she, she said she hung him on the wall because he makes her wall look so beautiful. <laughs> so then I used that story and we get more Mennonites coming. I said, they will not hang you. but So that's what they meant by a Mennonite. We didn't have a name for a quilt. We have a name for a blanket. But that one, they call it a Mennonite. And then you don't want to know when, when MCC starts sending uh, canned beef. You hear about people eating a Mennonite. What did you have for lunch? Oh, I ate a Mennonite. That was good. (laughs) And this is the team. They have been coming every year. And uh, then COVID came. They stopped. And then last year, they didn't come. They didn't come. This year, they didn't come. They will come after Christmas because of some political turmoil in Sudan. And there is a story then related to that as well. See here? Yeah. This is one. Jewel and Richard was not in this church. We had a heavy rain; the toilet collapsed. It, it is just very. So, would I click it there? Okay, this is the toilet. But God help us, you know. To uh, to build the newer one, we, we built four. We used to have two, and we built four, four toilets. Okay, and this is the main they love. People love hearing uh, Mennonite people singing. So the team on Sunday, they go to one of our churches and they sing. And uh, I remember some of the congregation said, please, can we not have a message today? Just have them continue singing. Said, well, we will have a message, but we'll keep it short. Even though they don't understand the words, but they really enjoy them so much. They love that. And this is me, You know, from the back. Well, I have a friend with the name Nasser, a good friend of mine, and who has the church next to one of our churches. We have nine house churches. Jesus was next to one of our churches. Nasser and I have been praying together for many years. And one thing unique, like my name is Yasser and his name is Nasser. Some people back home, they would confuse my name. They call me Nasser instead of Yasser. But Yasser and Nasser are popular Middle East leaders. You you mean, you remember Yasser Arafat? No, maybe this generation doesn't. I remember when I came to America, when I say, your name is Yasser, Yasser Arafat? I said, no, I'm Yasser Zafat. I'm not Yasser Arafat. But Nasser was a bit bit older. Nasser is a guy who started the war with Israel, Yom Yom Kippur War and the Six-Day War. You heard of the Six-Day War? Well, anyway. Nasser and I have been praying together, and we decided, and we felt like that the Lord wants our two churches to merge, and that happened this July, so this is the first time I was introducing myself to the church, and this church here in the south part of the country of Sudan in the Nuba mountain, three years ago, we got a new government, a president who got rid of all the laws that persecute Christians. So we have more freedom now than ever before. But with this freedom we still get some Muslim extremists and radicals come and give us and they harass us. So in this church in the south part of the country in the Nuba Mountain, we get an extremist come with two of his friends. they torn up Bibles, they break benches and they beat up our pastor. Two ladies came to protect the pastor, and one of them got punched on the mouth, and the other one was injured in her right hand. So we, the, the leaders took this, the one who was injured was really bleeding to the hospital. The hospital said, we cannot help you unless we have a police report. So they went to the police station to file a report so she can get some medical help. That's the way it is in Sudan Immediately, the police asked him what happened. They said, well, this pastor, the police immediately pressed charges on the pastor and accused him of disturbing the peace. So our, our pastor was detained. And then later on, he was bailed. And they set a court date, which was August seven. So before that court date, we decided at the church to pray and fast. We prayed that God will intervene there. And when we went, we went to the courthouse, well, the girl got help. The lady was injured, got some stitches. We went to the, to the courthouse. This was the building of the church. It's a very nice building, you know, and that's what makes the radical Muslim wanna keep that building to themselves. So we went to the church and we made this judge here. The judge was just, let's say, he was looking at the, he said, he was having the file. He said, I reviewed this case. This should not even be a case. And he just cancelled it. And he said to our pastor, you are free to go. And not only that, he said you can press charges on that guy, Baba, you know, the extremist who came to your church. And we decided not to do that. And, uh, and, uh, we just we just to the judge we're going to leave leave a room for god to take care of that you know romans 12:19 god said vengeance is mine but ever since that incident those radical muslims stop harassing our people or coming back there so we prayed for this judge and the lord is laying in my heart to share christ with him so i want you to pray for me to have the courage i know where he lives God wants him to hear the gospel. But I'm struggling with some kind of fear, you know, even though it's not against the law anymore. So if you would just remember to pray that God will give me courage and wisdom to witness to this judge. His name is Ahmed. Sometimes I look at his picture and I say, oh, he looks so mean. I'm not going to share with him. But then I remember what he did to our pastor. It was a very brave thing to do. Usually Christians do not get that treatment. And this is the president who changed all the laws in Sudan against Christians. But unfortunately, on October of last year, he was overthrown by a coup d'etat. So he's no longer the president. And here, what else? This is the riots of Sudan. We have been having riots. That's why the team from Palenque City couldn't come, because they're afraid of riots and happen here. People are very adamant to get rid of a dictatorship. They want to have a democracy, those are the young people. You know, we the old people, we get used to the dictators. And we didn't bother them. And here, uh, there have been some riots, like, just like similar to the one happened in Sri Lanka, if you follow the news. The, the demonstrators went to the national palace where the president lived, and, they got, and the president was so frightened for his life they, I think they, they took him by a helicopter or something. So then, to avoid the administrators from coming to Khartoum, they blocked all the bridges with containers and barbed wires. So I happened to be west of those bridges, and my family live in the east side. So I have been separated from my family for more than two weeks. I couldn't. I couldn't go to the where my family live and they couldn't come to me because the bridges had been had been blocked and i said to myself had i known how to swim i could have swum the nile you know some people swim but i i grew up in the desert i never learned how to swim okay here yeah we've been having flooding two years ago we have the worst flooding and uh, we responded to the victim of flooding by giving them plastic uh, plastic tarp, blankets, but we, we do not have manolites to give them, but mosquito nets. So, and they, they just began to ask, that, who's paying for all this? Who's sending us all this stuff? And I answered, I said, those are your Christians, brothers and sisters in America. And that really spoke volumes and, uh, and that opened a, open a window for us to talk about Jesus. And soon after this flood it ended, we started a church. It's a very stirring dynamic. All those children and their parents, their houses were washed away by the flood. (coughs) And this is what the church looks like now. We we live in a tent, you know. And uh, that is me over there. So we are hoping to build in this area where they are. uh, We are hoping to build a Mennonite. We call it a Mennonite center. So it's going to be used for school. And on the weekend, we use it for a church, but also a place to train believers in Sudan. You know, that's very important to make disciples. So pray for that. This is my next project. I hope next year when I come, ask me, where is the Mennonite Center? And i will be happy to answer you. And this is uh, a school. This is a very nice uh, story. This, This is a town next to my hometown. And the children, I was walking through there to my hometown. To take a bus. And some young children were following me, and they were shouting, "Say, please tell your American friends to build us a school here. And one of the girls said, we don't have a school here for girls. There is no girls' school. So I, I surveyed the area. It's a huge area in the western part, and there was no single school for girls. And those girls who really want to go to school, they have to travel like seven miles, which is very hard. So I prayed about it and I talked to the true to the, what called them the building crew in Columbus, Lester. I said, Lester, are you ready? Uh, we need to build a school for girls, and he said, Yes. Count, count on us. The first week after Christmas. So what I did, I raised money and I make available all the building materials. They are ready. One month before Christmas, Lester called me. He said, yes sir, we're not gonna make it because of the political turmoil in your country. Sudan It's not safe for us to go there. So I felt very disappointed and I prayed. I said, God, how do I tell those children? They got so excited and they have already seen the concrete blocks and everything ready. I have all things ready on the site, and we told them the school is gonna happen. As I was praying, the Lord said to me, don't tell them. This school is gonna happen, it's gonna be built. I said, well, give me an idea. And this is, I believe, the idea God gave me. I started uh, walking and surveying that uh, village. It's a village, but people like to call it a town, so it's more sophisticated, you know. And I was looking for a solid building. And I found one, and I asked who built this, and they gave me the name of the builder, and I got hold of him. And he brought local Sudanese workers, he picked them. And this is the school. We just finished two months ago. And this school was very important. It gave our people a sense of ownership, a sense of pride. You know, it was done by Sudanese people. And uh, and the community got involved when we, we needed to dig a well. So people come and dig, and now we have a well and, and we build. So it's a very nice, solid building in the, in the desert, you know. And those are the toilets. Nice doors, right? I like the doors. So, God said, I heard the cry of those children, and I care about them. And he provided. This is the fairy school for girls. Well, now I've been here in the U.S. for five weeks. This is my fifth week. And I'm, I still have two more speaking engagements after this. We're looking for people to sponsor the children. That's how we pay for the teachers and textbooks and other things. And the sponsorship, just to pray for it, is $25 a month. And uh, so just pray for us for this. We have 150 girls starting in October. Supposed to start in September, but the school ended. OK, and this is some of the, even though like, uh, we, ha- we have some more freedom and so on, I have seen even when at the time we didn't have freedom, like this man is one of our elders. He came to Christ. I mean, the story was very long, but I believe God has chose him. He was being shunned by Muslims because he was alcoholic. And they said, you have to clean yourself to go to the mosque and be a good Muslim. And maybe God will forgive you, you know. And one time he asked me, he said, sir, what would Jesus say to people who are struggling with alcohol? So when I told him that Jesus would say to you, Ali, his name is Ali, I said, Ali, I love you. I want to save you. And I... He was very surprised, he said, even when I'm like this or after I quit, I said, no, he love you the way you are. So I prayed with him and God delivered him from 50 years of alcoholism, 50 years. And uh, anyway, but then he has some health complications and he passed away. And this is a lady in our church, You know, she gets a tumor on her buttocks. We raise money locally to send her to the hospital. But unfortunately, the, the tools were not sterilized. She got a bad infection and she died even before the surgery was completed. Okay. Okay? Go next? Okay, this is the last story. The funny one. This man, the white man, you know, he's from Samaritan Pers. So our school, the fair school in Nobayed, was crowded, like the classroom has 60 kids, 70 kids, depending. And we needed to expand the school. So, in 2016, I submitted an application to Samaritan Purse in North Carolina. I said, please give us money. We need to expand the school. We never heard back from Samaritan Purse. We sent another reminder. You know, I'm a social worker by trade. Follow up, follow up. Nothing. We never heard nothing back from them. The, The school board and the teacher said, oh, forget about that. Let us find other sources. So, anyway, last year... Samaritan Paris called me, and I was very excited. that I saved their number. Very excited. I said, well, finally, they are approving the loan, the, the grant. Hello? Yes, yeah, sir. Can we ask you for a favor? I said, okay, ask me. I said, well, we have one of our operation director or operation guy, you know, top. He's in Sudan, but he needs to get a COVID test. So he can get in a plane. You, you need the COVID test before you can board the plane, can you help him? I said, well, there are lots of places that do COVID tests, you know, all the hospitals. He said, well, he didn't want to wait on the line. He wanted a place where he can just, doesn't have to wait. I said, okay, well, I can help him. So I went, there is a hospital near my house. I know the doctor there, so I took him along and he didn't have to wait. And actually not only that, he did his own COVID test. So he took the swab and inserted it in his nose. And, uh, and the next day, They said, come and pick the test the next day. So in that hospital, I think he had a run or something. He needed to use the toilet. So he went to use the toilet in the hospital. It was a public hospital. He said, no, I cannot use this. Not just because it's a hole. It was very messy. And I told him, I said, Ken, my house is not too far from here. You can go to my house. So we got in his car and... Rented car and we went to his house. In the way, I called my wife. I said, Manahil, just make sure the toilet is clean. You know, we have somebody come in. She said, do I leave the toilet and clean? I said, no, 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 you don't. But just make sure it is clean. So he came. This is when he came to our house and he used the toilet and relieved himself. And we gave him some tea there. And the next day, I went to the hospital. I picked the COVID test to him. And when I give him the test in his hotel room, and I said, Kenny, I just want you, I want to pray with you about an application that was submitted to Samaritan Purse. How long ago? I said, maybe four years ago, but we never heard back from Samaritan Purse. Who did you send it to? I sent it to this person, but that person moved to another department. And anyway, I said, just pray about this. Well, this is what he did. He pulled his phone and started texting or emailing. All I know, two hours after that meeting with him, I heard back from Samaritan Press regarding the grant for the first time. And they said, Mr. Mackey, all you have to do is change the date on your application. That was back date. make it a today date. And I did that, and then the grant was approved. It was a big miracle. And I called the board, the school board. I said, you remember that grant from 2016? From he said, yes. I said, it has been a fruit. How? How did it happen? I said, all we needed is a clean toilet, you know? <laughs> that would help us. And those are the two, the two classrooms there. They were built. And now our, our classroom are like 30 kids in each classroom, which is very good. It's still that high, but it's a lot better. Thank you very much for giving me. I always enjoy coming here to Rosedale, you know, brings some memory for me. And I believe that's where the Lord, the Lord planted seed for me and laid the foundation to become a missionary to my own people. Thank you. And I'm gonna have those cards. If you are like one, just talk to me. I will give you one. They're for free. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please share so others can benefit from it as well. And be sure to check out our other podcasts at rosedale.edu slash podcasts.